0: Lord Krishna saved his foster father, Nanda Maharaj, from the fear of the demigod Varuna and released the cowherd boys from the caves of the mountain, for they were placed there by the son of Maya. Also, to the inhabitants of Vrindavan who were busy working during daytime and sleeping soundly at night because of their hard labor in the day, Lord Krishna awarded promotion to the highest planet in the spiritual sky. All these acts are transcendental and certainly prove, without any doubt, His God ahead. Purport, Nanda Maharaj, the foster father of Lord Krishna, went to take his bath in the river Yamuna in the dead of night, mistakenly thinking that the night was already over, thus the demigod Varuna took him to the Varuna planet just to have a look at the personality of Godhead Lord Krishna, who appeared there to release his father. Actually, there was no arrest of Nanda Maharaj by Varuna because the inhabitants of Vrindavan were always engaged in thinking of Krishna in constant meditation on the personality of Godhead in a particular form of samadhi or trance of bhakti-yoga. They had no fear of the miseries of material existence. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is confirmed that to be in association with the Supreme Personality of Godhead by full surrender is in transcendental love. Frees one from the miseries inflicted by the laws of material nature. Here it is clearly mentioned that the inhabitants of Vrindavan were extensively busy in the hard labor of their day's work. And due to the day's hard labor, they were engaged in sound sleep at night. So practically they had very little time to devote to meditation or to the other paraphernalia of spiritual activities. But factually they were engaged in the highest spiritual activities only. Everything done by them was spiritualized, because everything was dovetailed in their relationship with Lord Sri Krishna. The central point of activities was Krishna, and as such the so-called activities in the material world were saturated with spiritual potency. That is the advantage of the way of bhakti yoga one should discharge one's duty on Lord Krishna's behalf and all one's actions will be saturated with Krishna thought the highest pattern of trance in spiritual realization the inhabitants of Vrindavan worked very hard in the day and slept soundly at night and they were intensely attached to Krishna so what's so special about that? So many people work hard in the day and then they sleep at night. Of course, in the modern age, people work hard in the day and then they don't sleep at night due to tension. They want to sleep, but they can't sleep. They have insomnia. Or otherwise they go out to parties at night. But Nanda Maharaj wasn't like that. He worked hard in the day and slept solidly at night, which is the normal way of life. And he was very attached to his child and everyone else in Vrindavan was very attached to his child also. So what's so special about that? There's so many people who work hard in the village, in the field, and they love their children and they sleep at night. So. What's Vyasadeva doing here? He compiled all the Shastras and he finished the Vedanta Sutra, highly philosophical, and now he's describing some people in a village who are working hard and they love their child and they go to sleep at night. So, what happened to Vyasadeva? He became senile in his old age. Well, he's still living, so it's not really his old age. Right? He's still up there in Bhadrik Ashram. Ananda Teta, Madhvacharya went to see him. Most people can't see him except in his deity form. So uh, you may say, "Well, what's the difference between Nanda Maharaj and anyone else?" That's what Kamsa and others thought. That these, these—that's what Indra thought also. These people of Vrindavan—they're they're just ordinary people, and they become so puffed up because they're attached to this little boy. So what is the difference? Well you can say that the inhabitants of Vrindava and their love for Krishna is exceedingly great, that's true. But someone may say, Well, I love my child so much also. So what's the difference? Well, some differences mentioned here that the inhabitants of Vrindavan, Prabhupada writes in the purport, they had no fear of the miseries of material existence. People are working hard and they may be, according to their own conception, happy. They may love their children. But their activities, they are transformations of and result in more kam, krodh, lob, moha, Mad Sari their activities bind them in material existence. Whereas the activities of the Rajvasis were ānanda cinvaya rasa patibhavi tabihi Transformation or enacted by the spiritual bliss potency of the supreme personality of Godhead. So in many ways they may have appeared to be similar to ordinary people, but they were not inasmuch as they had no mundane lust, greed, anger, envy, illusion, no such thing. And even it might appear that they they were sleeping at night in tamago, but that's not tamago; That's also Ananda Mayarasa. And... They have fear, but what is their... They also experience fear and lamentation. But that's all in connection with Krishna. The mother Yashoda is afraid that Krishna is going to the pasturing ground, and his feet will become damaged by the rough soil or the demons may attack him. So that's fear. And they experience lamentation, just like when Krishna was playing with Kaliya, Kaliya's serpent. But the Rajvasis didn't know he was playing with them. They thought he was captured by Kaliya. And when Kaliya, Krishna allowed Kaliya to drag him underwater, then all the Rajvasis, they simply fainted in lamentation. They almost died. So, certainly their feelings are intense, but that even the fear and lamentation, that is all on the transcendental platform because that's connected with Krishna. And that in itself is a description of its transcendental nature because it's, it's focused on Krishna. But the result is also different, that, that the happiness that is perceived in connection with Krishna, that is genuine happiness... Whereas the happiness of material existence is—it's it's not happiness because it's all on the—it all is on the substratum of fear, of mundane fear that one is attached to the body, and one is afraid of losing it, or one is aff- attached to others who one's, one considers the extension of his own body. Deha patiya kalatra deshu, atmasaineshva satsva pi, teisham pravatanidhanam, pasyanapina na If one considers one's own body, then apatya. What's the literal meaning of that word? It sounds like one who has fallen down from one. Deha apatya. This means children, but it, it literally means who has fallen down. I get like the falling out of the womb or something. Yeah, all the so one's body, children, kalatra, wife, adishu, and all of them. Yeah, asad Sanya. One considers oneself, one's body, and that one will this body will be protected by one's children, relatives, wife, and so on. So this is madness, pramata. It's a word which commonly is used by Vyasa in Bhagavatam to mean one who is very much illusioned, very much insane, that one sees but doesn't see, that people are dying and no one can protect them. Even though one sees this all around, people are dying, he, he still cherishes a hope that he will live, he will be protected by the fallible soldiers. So what's the difference? The the, the Rajvasis, when there's some fear, they call out to Krishna. Krishna, protect us. So they're also feeling fear and they're calling to Krishna. So what's the difference between that and mundane fear? Mundane fear means that one considers oneself to be the body. Well, maybe Nanda Maharaj did so also. So isn't that maya? Isn't he an illusion? Well, the difference here is that Nanda Maharaj actually is his body, because he's, his form is completely spiritual. So to identify the body as the self, the mundane body as the self, that is an illusion. But even Nanda Maharaj, he's... Not a big scholar of Vedanta, he doesn't. He, he he doesn't understand the intricacies that we understand, or that we are being informed by Vyasa and Prabhupada and all the acharyas in parampara. They don't have knowledge of that, but they have intense love of Krishna, which from our vantage point, we can analyze all this. This bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu. That is analyzed in great detail. What is the nature of different rasas, and then the, the anubhav, vibhav, all the different attendant factors. But for Nanda Maharaj, he's simply loving Krishna, and himself, he, he he doesn't even think that I'm a he doesn't think I'm a sadhu or a spiritually advanced person. He just thinks I'm I'm, a, I'm Nanda Maharaj. There are sadhus come to visit. Gargamuni comes, he visits, he came and then Nanda Maharaj greeted him, that you are a very magnanimous person, you come great saintly persons like you, visit the homes of attached householders like ourselves. Mahatvichalamam Nrinam. Grihinam Dina that he said to Gagamuni that Gagarishi or whatever that persons like yourself, Mahat, great persons, you move within this world, you travel within this world just to uplift the consciousness of us attached householders who are in fallen consciousness. So he considered himself to be like that. It appeared that Garga was highly elevated spiritualist, and Nanda Maharaj was an attached materialist. But actually, Nanda Maharaj's position is greater, even that of Garga Rishi, who is a liberated soul, no doubt. But Nanda Maharaj's position is even greater because he's not—he's not even doing anything for spiritual realization. But his his real. He's beyond the platform of realizing or trying to realize. He is an eternal associate of Krishna, fully engaged in activities of serving Krishna by being his father. And for his service, uh, he has, he, he, there's no question of cultivation or realization. His service is not to realize that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If he realized that, then he couldn't be Nanda Maharaj properly. He couldn't please Krishna in the same way. So he's on a platform of spiritual realization so high that for him, even the question of spiritual realization, that, that, that is, uh, from his perspective, thinking himself, Krihinam Dina Chaitasam, one of those attached fallen householders, that's from his perspective but actually from the perspective of those who are mahat persons like gaga rishi they uh, come and they see nanda maharaj's position is so great nandam yasyalinde param Brahma. some people worship the the shruti and others the smriti and others swear by the mahabharat these great scriptures but i it says Raghupati a devotee who spoke to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As far as I'm concerned, I worship Nanda Maharaj. You can worship whoever, you can worship different demigods or you can worship Krishna, you can worship different shastras, but he says, I worship Nanda Maharaj because in his courtyard, the supreme truth, Param Brahma, is playing so what is the highest truth param brahma param dhama pavritram param Bhavan. Krishna is this highest truth matav parataram yet there is no truth higher than Krishna but that highest truth Yang brahma rudra varanendra marutai stundanti that highest truth who is prayed to by all the great demigods he is subservient to Nanda Maharaj so who's greater, Krishna or Nanda Maharaj what do you think? Nanda Maharaj is greater then Bhagavad Gita is wrong Krishna says there's nothing there's nothing greater than me so he's bluffing Arjuna, we're distributing Bhagavad Gita it's another bluff. Krishna is tied up by Mother Yashoda. So definitely Yashoda is in greater position. She's feeding him. Nitya nityanam chaitanas chaitanam eko bahanam kama. Krishna feeds everyone, but Mother Yashoda is feeding him. So, who's greatest? Yashoda? Well, there's Tattva-vichāra and Rasavichāra. In terms of philosophical understanding, Krishna is supreme. Even Nanda Maharaj, they are also in one sense subordinate to Him. He is the source of everything. Even though everything is eternally existing, but He he is supreme. He's the, he shows the Vishwaru. Nanda Maharaj doesn't show the Vishwaru. He is giving shelter to all the devotees in his various forms as Krishna, Rama, Narayana. He gives shelter to all the devotees. He is Vaikunthanath. He is the Lord of Vaikuntha. He is sarvam murtina matsthani sarvabhutani nachaham tveshvavastitaha. He is the Supreme Lord of which this whole universe is but uh, His impersonal manifestation. And He is within everything and not within everything. <coughs> So Nanda Maharaj is there also. Because if Krishna is there, then Nanda Maharaj, of course, in his Vishnu, Vasudev expansion, we don't see Nanda Maharaj. But Premandana Churita Bhakti those who see Krishna with the eye of love, then uh, Krishna is with all his devotees. So, those who have the vision, they can see Krishna. And with Krishna, they see all his devotees. So, Krishna is the supreme truth. There is no truth superior to him. That is true. But it's also true that Krishna is subordinate to Nanda Maharaja and Yaśodamain. How is he subordinate to them? yashoda she's not manifesting the Vishwarup. She sees the Vishwarup in the mouth of Krishna. That before Krishna showed Vishwarup to Arjuna, he showed to Yashodamai. In Kurukshetra there's plenty of space for the Vishwarup, a big open field, but Krishna showed it all in the mouth, in his mouth. So... Mother Yashoda must have been awarded some special vision that, in the little mouth of her baby, which usually that's his little baby Krishna is kissing Mother Yashoda or sucking her breast, that little mouth, and in she's in that she saw the whole universe manifested. So Krishna himself accepts Nanda and Yashoda as superior to him. So. In Rasavicha, they are superior, just like we always hear Radhe Vrindavaneshwari. We don't hear Krishna Vrindavaneshwari. You ever heard of Vrindavaneshwa? Well, Vishwanath Chakravartakra says, Vrindavananath. That those who chant Gurvashtaka, Brahma Mahurte Patati Prayatnath, who chant carefully, the Guru Vashtak, during the Brahma Mahurta, then they will attain direct service to uh, Vrindavanath. That means Krishna. So that's from Tathavicham, we could say Krishna is Vrindavanath. But in Vrindavan you won't find anyone saying that. In Vrindavan it's Radhe Vrindavaneshwari, She is considered supreme because she controls Krishna by love. So this is the specialty of Srimad Bhagavatam that all the Shastras are compiled to bring one gradually from gross sinful activity to regulated activity according to the Shastra and then to to bring one from Vikarma to Karma means Punya Karma as given by Shastra then to Karma Yoga Nishkam Karma Yoga Jnana Yoga eventually to Bhakti Yoga then to Shuddha Bhakti Without any desire. So, in this way, one is gradually brought along the Vedic path to understand Krishna is supreme. And then, when one goes, is there any further to go? A little further also, to understand that Krishna, what is the supreme aspect of the Supreme Lord? Is his Vrindavan pastimes, in which he is supreme. Not in terms of the power he manifests, but as the central object of love for everyone. It's not that love is absent in Vaikuntha, it's not that everyone's just worshipping Narayan out of a sense of fear or duty. Certainly they love him, but that love is from the Vrindavan perspective. That love is crippled by an overemphasis on Aishwarya majesty. So in Vrindavan Krishna he also shows his majesty, or some hint of that is there, just like Varuna is kidnapping Nanda Maharaj because he knew that then Krishna will come. That was his trick to get Krishna to come to his abode and in this way Varuna could have the darshan of Krishna, have the darshan of Nanda Maharaj also. And all the uh, parshans, the associates of Varuna, they also were blessed with the association, the darshan of Krishna. So in this way Nanda Maharaj could understand that oh, Krishna is very special because Varuna is offering him prayers. He captured me, I'm you know, I'm pretty big in my own sphere. He's the he's the Maharaj, Nanda Maharaj. When my son came, who's just my son, you don't usually offer respects to a child, a young boy. But Varuna offered him so much respect and and the Maharashtra. Something special. So Krishna showed his power many times during his Vrajalila. He showed Vaikuntha to the Vrajvasis. You will attain the spiritual world. He showed his power by killing so many demons. But we find that, uh, well, Kangsa, he criticized. He, he, when he spoke about Krishna, he said that, well, they, they praised this Krishna because he chastised some little water snake called Kaliya, and he lifted up a little stone called Govardhan. And then when my friend Keshi was a little bit inattentive, Then Krishna somehow by chance he managed to kill him. So they downplay Krishna's achievements. He's just an ordinary boy but somehow he's overly praised. But the Vrajavasis think like that also. The mother Yashoda thinks that well, my little boy he was carried away by a terrible whirlwind but by the grace of Lord Narayan he was saved. He fell down but fortunately he wasn't hurt. So she thinks like that, because because of my when in my uh, youth, when I was a young girl, I used to do austerities and worship Narayan, and because of my bhakti, then now Lord Narayan is very kind to me, and he's protecting my child. So she thinks that by the grace of Lord Narayan, Krishna is being protected. though actually he's Narayan, and he's protecting them. Hmm. So this is ānanda chinmaya rasa. This is the leela shakti of the Lord by which Krishna himself forgets and simultaneously doesn't forget that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's beyond logic he knows he's the Supreme Lord and he simultaneously doesn't know? Both things are going on at once. So this is beyond logic. Logic by logic we can understand there's the Supreme Lord, but by logic we don't know there's a Rasalila. That's Krishna's personal enjoyment. That's how that's his own personal proclivity to enjoy dancing like that. We may say that, why? how can you believe in a God that takes out cows, bare feet? Brahma, he also doubted. How how can he be the Supreme Lord? But that's what he wants to do. So who can tell him no? That's what he likes to do. So this is the uh, highest understanding of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, beyond understanding beyond logical understanding. Logically, we can understand that the Supreme Lord is not subject to our logic. Then how He is, what is He doing, what is He like, that is described here in Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the highest approach to God. Just like we can understand that the, the finance minister And the defense minister, they, no doubt, they're close to the prime minister. And they can discuss confidential things with him. But they're not as close as his wife. And to his wife, the prime minister, it doesn't matter to her so much that he's the prime minister. She's just his wife and he's her husband. And if he... Mixes, He gets up in a rush in the morning and mixes up his socks. She'll chastise him. The, the home minister, he can't chastise the prime minister. He can, but he might lose his job. Because their relationship is based on power. But the relationship between the prime minister and his wife... In the relationship between him and his wife, it's with everyone else he relates to them. I'm Prime Minister and you are everything else. You are lower than me. But in the relationship with his wife, his Prime Ministership doesn't, it's not a factor. Of course, in public, she maintains the protocol. But at home, things don't change. Before his prime ministership and afterwards, so Vrindavan is Krishna at home. In Vaikuntha, it's like his office, the Raj and then there's inside the Antapuram. In in the Raj he may joke. It's not that he's completely stiff and formal. He may joke, and he may there. There's also the there'll be some entertainment. So it's not totally formal. In where there's majesty, there's also some relaxation. Mm -hmm. There's also very serious businesses also. It's uh, managing the state. So this is in the formal activities, but inside it's totally in in the inner in the inner quarters where not everyone is allowed even the in the inner quarters then even the even the uh, you see if there's a king even the prime minister can't come in his inner quarters or even if he comes he has to ask special permission and then when he comes then uh, they won't everyone won't behave as normal when he's there because he's an outsider and they have to react to him. They have to take into account that his, we, we can't act as we are normally acting if he's present. So this is rasa vicha. This is given as examples, these mundane examples. Although actually the spiritual rasa, it's by its very nature, it's different to the material Ras. The bhavana vartma it's without, when one no longer has any materialistic consciousness, it's Chamatkara-Bhara-Bhu, and when the, when the, by interacting, the interactions of people on the spiritual platform, means Krishna and his devotees, that interaction produces a, a, a tremendous sense of wonder. So that is what is the that is the rasa that Rupa Goswami describes and which Vyasadev he describes in Srimad Bhagavatam the activities of the Supreme Lord. In his, here we have this chapter, Scheduled Incarnations. So the activities are there, but how the devotees appreciate that, that is more described. What, what's going on at the subtle level, the, what we could, from the mundane viewpoint, call the psychological level? What is the exchange of ras that's going on? That is described by the Acharyas, they give the purport to that. So the mundane people, when they, they may say that, well, what's this, there's some story of some cowherd boy and his father, and what's so special about that? What's so special, so very, very special, is the uh, intense exchange of love that's going on between Krishna and his devotees. So that's described somewhat in the Srimad Bhagavatam, but that is taken up as the the whole subject of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu to analyze what is going on between well, what are the feelings, what are the constituents of those feelings of love between Krishna and his devotees. Uh, Banu Maharaj, you like to say anything about this? You're much studied in Bhakti Ras. <laughs> they're different they're the Mayasuna. it's one of those demons. Uh, Vyoma Sura was it? Or? Which one is it? Who can remember? Who who stole the cowherd boys and stuck them in the stuck them in the uh Cave, the cowherd men. One of those demons. Yeah, but they never put the boys in the cave. Hmm? They never succeeded in putting them No, no, it's not Pralama. He put them in there the, and then Krishna took them all out and they just felt like they'd been sleeping. who was that? That's there in Krishna book. We're all not reading krishna book enough so someone can look it up and tell us tomorrow morning who will do that you'll do that okay. one of those demons there were so many demons they're not even all described in Srimad bhagavatam more demons also you can on this big field out here this some huge python, can you imagine some huge python with his mouth wide open with some stinking fishy smell coming out, what will you do? Will you go and walk inside? No? So things like that were happening all the time in Vrindavan, some huge it's not a nor- I mean there's no there's it's not normal to have snakes like that. Snakes may be there. Jungle area, no doubt there were snakes. But this huge snake, where did such a big snake come from? That kind of this kind of unusual thing was normal in Vrindavan, practically daily. Some big demon is coming. This uh, huge bull is coming with the clouds hovering over his body. Such a big body. So, Hare Krishna. Anything else? Any question? Comment? Alright. Hare Krishna. All glories to His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada.